word. I lacked the courage to do so. I simply stayed away. But I'm not going to pose as a hero attending the death of someone else. I didn't stay away because of his decline. In fact, his decline substantially improved my painting. I didn't stay away because of his cynicism. He knew what he was doing. I'm not going to take on the moral guardianship of the fine arts. Nothing like that. I stayed away because I was sick of being lashed by his tongue. I would never amount to anything. My painting was soiled and descriptive, the figurative work of an upstart. I was incapable of a single concept. My works, at best, would wind up as murals on the walls of a prison. Do you know, Basquiat? I should forget everything and start over. I was reinventing the wheel. Who knows? He may have been right. He left the worst for last. I have no excuse, because I'm rich. With a poor artist, everything is forgiven, especially mediocrity. But for the rich, the kingdom of justice. He had never forgiven me for, on one occasion, kicking him out of my studio. His basis for classifying me as one of the evil rich was this. He raised his thumb, stained with green paint, and greedily looked around the room. Do you know how much a studio like this one of yours would cost me per month? He asked. I own my studio. Or my mother does, to be accurate. Now it was his yellow index finger that he raised. On top of that, I have to eat, buy paint, buy marijuana, canvases, cocaine, whiskey. I have to help my ex-wife, who extorts my life's blood with the excuse that Patricia, who's in preschool, needs to see an analyst. Because of me, my daughter is antisocial. I have a fixed income of about $1,800 a month. Yes, I receive it in dollars. I pay no rent. I'm part of a healthy generation that doesn't need to put on weight or lose it. So my anxieties and expenses are considerably reduced. I'm a man who's satisfied with his body and his soul. He shook his paint-stained head and raised his middle finger, coated in blue. Go fuck yourself, Tato Simone. You'll never be a true artist. I'm telling you this for your own good. So I stayed away from Anibo, my great and beloved master, for some time. Everything I know about painting, I owe to him even the fact that I take painting seriously, that I consider it my destiny, and that my fantasy is that I will paint until I die. My first exhibition, to which the world paid not the slightest bit of attention, was presented in three paragraphs by no less a person than Anibo Mazzari. How many artists from here can say that? None. I know that this really doesn't mean anything unless you take into account all the artists who tried to be presented by him, even when he had already become the little nothing that was now being returned to the earth. Fame is indelible. Even for Matsadi, that same blue-on-blue Matsadi who, in the lower left corner of his canvases, signed his name in short, elegant strokes like Chinese ideograms, and who is the center of attention on this bluest of mornings in Curitiba, a blueness that is unique to this place, cruel and mute, son of coldness and timidity. That much is clear in our point of view, the provincial point of view, 
because Aníbal was a self-sufficient artist in the mental and geographical sense. Metaphorically, he never went anywhere. Aníbal was a mediocre artist. This idea came to mind with force, aggressively, irresistibly, vindictively, and vilely at the very moment when they began to move the casket with a plangent hoisting and lowering device toward eternal rest. Death changes nothing. It simply reveals. Not that it matters. The image of the casket descending, slowly and awkwardly, fills my eyes with tears. My feelings are really just for myself. I'm overcome with weeping. The landscape, the dozen people at the graveside, black against the vivid green lawn in this beautiful cemetery, is covered in fog, diffuse and soft. I hide my tears, though they still shrink.